Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show that brings global industry trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email uh, at uh, I, uh, or email at well, it's very faint here. Hello at iPropertyRadio.com. I think I've got that one right. Your host today is Carl Tallon, myself, Brian Fox. Okay, thank you, Brian. So, um, as part of Techstars Startup Week Dublin, uh, PropTech Ireland is delighted to host a conversation in the RDS Members Club on the use of artificial intelligence for real estate, uh, for real estate and construction. It's this Thursday. The tickets are free and details of the event can be found on proptech.ie or prop-tech.ie Also, there's another special event. Their Property District team launched their 2020 C-Suite Sessions initiative and this is starting with a masterclass in space as a service with Anthony Slumbers. Also this Thursday in the RDS Members Club. So places are limited for that as it's only a small group but you can find out more details on propertydistrict.ie. Now, as it's Construction Safety Week, we have a special show today. So first in studio to talk to us um, about Construction Safety Week is Dermot Carey, Director of Safety Training and Skills at the Construction Industry Federation. Dermot, you're very welcome. Thanks very much, Carol. So, um, obviously, we've actually already heard a lot about Construction Safety Week there's been great media attention already, which is very important. So you might just start by explaining just very quickly what is prop or really what is Safety Week all about? Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, obviously, construction is a major employer, and I suppose in the last number of years hasn't had the best media coverage from a health and safety perspective. Notwithstanding that, there's been considerable investment in health and safety in the sector, particularly in the last twenty years. Um, Construction Safety Week is an opportunity for the industry to profile what it's doing, uh, to try and inject a little bit of enthusiasm also into health and safety. Health and safety necessarily doesn't have the best um, media profile in that many people will, will um, uh, what, what's the phrase, they will criticise lots of health and safety initiatives. Um, but the purpose of Construction Safety Week is for the industry to spend one full week focusing in on health and safety, how it impacts on its, it, the workers, and to we're coming into a time now, winter, where generally um, it's a more hazardous period of time. It's an opportunity for us to just give health and safety a boost and focus in on what we believe are some of the key issues that the industry needs to deal with. And we've highlighted... Oh, we have a theme for each day and, th- and the, those themes have been deliberately picked as key issues for the sector. And so it's, it's, it's an opportunity for the industry to focus in and uh, work together in a collaborative way to promote best practice mm. in the and industry. What do you think? Has, has the attitude to health and safety on construction, uh, construction sites improved down the years, do you think? I think it has, and I think it has hugely in the last number of years. Um, I can remember a time when it, it maybe wasn't as prior, a priority issue as it is now. Uh, and indeed, I worked on sites in, both in Ireland and the UK where um, health and safety wouldn't mm. have been a key priority. It's funny, so, you know, because now I'm bringing this topic up because uh, we were, I was passing a construction site, a small one, I think it was a small site, now that we're talking about it, and the guy, the, 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 the scaffolding was properly done with the, the piece there for, to prevent people, people falling off about their feet and so forth. And he said, you know, if that were a few years ago, 
all that, a lot of that fencing wouldn't be there at all, you know. So, I mean, it does seem as if there is a greater emphasis now on, on that type of small, the small aspects of, of, of uh, safety on the site. Well, uh, for me, I think really the focus began about 20 years ago and when the industry was going through a bit of a crisis. And at that time, uh, what's called the Construction Safety Partnership was set up, which is uh, has some of the key players or all of the key players, stakeholders in the industry, including the Construction Industry Federation, the Health and Safety Authorities, the trades unions, uh, various government departments, such as Department of Enterprise and Innovation, um, uh, the National Irish Safety Organization, all the, all the key players uh, and the professional bodies. And the focus at that time was to develop a plan for the industry so that we could drive safety. And that construction safety partnership continues to exist and brought in such things as safe pass, mandatory training for the sector. Um, and just if we take safe pass as an example, safe pass is a one day basic safety training program and all general operatives and uh, all general operatives, craft people and on-site security people must do safe pass. So over last year, I think 100,000 people did safe pass and they have to do it every four years. Mm. So that's a considerable investment alone just in training and awareness. Um, so I mentioned the construction safety partnership. They are the key vehicle that we all cooperate to drive safety within the industry. And um, it's through that mechanism that Construction Safety Week is part of the CSP, Construction Safety Partnership Initiative, where we all work together to improve safety. Absolutely. And I, I know you're talking about um, the origins going back, you know, over decades. But I think it's fair to say that Construction Safety Week has definitely kept relevant with the times. I was looking at the breakdown of your themes um, for each day and, you know, it, it's I, I see that, you know, you have kind of a, a theme of working safely with hazardous substances, um, vehicle risk and safety and lifting operations, working safely at height, working safely with electricity. But I see that you launched on Monday with mental health and well-being in construction. Now, that's something here at Property Matters we feel really strongly about. And in fact, we've had Fiacra Morrison, um, clinical hypnotherapist, come in several times since January, since the start of the year, to talk about this and remind people about this. But you might just maybe tell us how, well, first of all, how long has um, a focus on mental health been brought into Safety Week for construction? I suppose I probably need to step back a little bit further in that, I mean, the science is health and safety. The industry has generally been very good at self-focusing on safety and not so much on health. Right. But we're trying to address that. And one of those key elements is mental health and well-being. Um, this issue probably became into sharp focus for us in probably 2014 and 15, uh, which was still a time when the recession was very much impacting on the construction sector. And feedback from our members indicated to us that from they, their employees and indeed their friends were experiencing difficulties. And some of it was related to family issues and financial issues and some of it in relation to job issues. So it became obvious to us that we needed to do something and we needed to highlight that. And the best thing we could do at least was get get the issue discussed. Yeah. Uh, and get, men aren't that good at discussing uh, mental health issues. Um, so I brought along here, for instance, we ran a campaign with Pieta House in 2015 called Mind Our Workers, 
which was designed to start that conversation. And at the time, we brought people in to hold toolbox talks on site with, on the issue of positive mental health. Uh, and maybe at the time, we started maybe too much down the critical point where we were focusing on suicide and the rates of suicide were quite startling in that 10 people a week at the time were taking their, their own lives. Um, eight, eight out of 10 of those were male um, and the figures indicated that quite a lot of those were either had or do work in the construction sector. So it's from that that we realised we need to start that conversation. So for last, in the present format for Construction Safety Week, um, mental health has featured as one of the themes every week, every year. Yeah. So, and it continues to and do how's so. How's it been received? Um, feedback from people on site indicates that mm. that's probably the most interactive day. Yeah, um, and indeed, yesterday I was out on a site in West Dublin. Um, Colin Construction, one of our sponsors for the week, were running a, an event where they had theatre for work in, which reenacted an issue that might come up in any workplace where somebody was experiencing um, issues with regard to their mental health. And particularly in a construction site, if somebody's not 100% clued in, mm. uh, there's, all, there's dangers to them, but there's also dangers to others. Mm. Of course. Considering the hazards that are exposed just, to. I, I, mean, I know this is, a, this is something that's very prevalent on, 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 on sites. It's, it's well talked about. And this thing of um, consumption of alcohol and drugs, is that, is that something now that you're trying to come to terms with or, or deal with? Currently, we, the CIF is developing a policy uh, a standard policy for um, our members for them to use in relation to drugs and alcohol. Um, and again, the construction industry isn't the only industry. No, no, I'm not trying to which, signal you out on that. Yeah. Let's let's make that. But obviously, clear. it's an area we're concerned about. Mm. Um, I think in general, um, members are used to dealing with alcohol, and feedback again from from members is that that's not such an issue anymore. Their concern is drugs and things that they're not familiar with. Um, there are, uh, uh, there was, uh, there was at one point the Health and Safety Authority intended to introduce mandatory testing for certain um, what they called high-risk activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, that never materialised, but there still is within the legislation, there's an obligation on employees to be fit for work, which includes that you are not under the influence of alcohol. Um, so it is an issue for the industry. It's not probably directly related to mental health and well-being. Oh, of it's, a, it's a general issue yeah. right across the board. And um, mental health and well-being is something we're going to come back to actually um, in the next part of the show because we have Fiacre Morrison here again today to talk about this. But um, today, Tuesday, was um, working safety with electricity. So what kind of initiatives were happening across building sites today? Just looking at the activities that people were reporting on, um, I suppose we were trying to focus on two things. One was dial before you dig. So locating of underground and overhead services. Um, again, uh, ESB Networks are, are one of our sponsors. So they're I, I obviously see ESB a major concern. Gas for them. Networks and SSE, Airtricity, um, yeah. Irish Water. And actually, it's worth pointing out Kirby Group, Hilti, um, Keating Construction, you know, they're, and, and Walls Construction. So you've got a number of key players in the industry all all working to support this initiative which has to give great credibility and actually uh, give a greater voice mm. oh yeah and, and absolutely it helps without without that sort of sponsorship we we couldn't we couldn't develop the 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 week the way it has developed yeah. but in relation to electricity i said there's two different areas there one is 
inadvertently hitting electricity. The second is working with electricity as in installations yeah. and live installations. So they were the key initiatives. And I see just looking at what people were doing today, um, issues like locating underground services, running programs on that, but also lockout, tagout type um, schemes so how to ensure that you're not exposed to high voltage electricity. So there's lots of good things happening today. Are there any new technologies around the area of, um, because Dial Before You Dig, I understand, is a very important campaign, but surely in this day and age, um, there's technologies, there's technologies that might actually make this a little bit easier. Well, Gas Networks Ireland are about to launch a new initiative which is more digitally based and where people will be able to locate um, the services online and able to reproduce and print out the uh, drawing of the area. So that'll be an awful lot more And are they completely accurate? So they tell us. <laughs> uh, I'd say it'll soon be um, it'll soon be tested. Yeah, and I am tomorrow, Wednesday, is working safely at height. Now, you know, when we look at height on building sites, you know, there's a tendency just to look towards the crane drivers, but obviously, you've got a labour force that's actually. I mean, in terms of building heights, the sites you're seeing across Dublin at the moment, you know, where are the challenges there? Well. The HSA published a report earlier this year which looked at fatal accidents in the construction industry since their formation, which was 1989. And somewhere in the region of 40 to 42% of all fatal accidents in the construction sector related to falls and mm. continue to be so. so Fra- but from a height? From a, but a height is anything over over a metre. I mean, and, and if you look at the stats, it tends to be lower heights. Unfortunately, We've just been reported a fatal accident, which is from three metres. It tends to be higher. The higher you are, the more people are aware and more the better uh, safeguards are put in place, while low-level low level falls feature largely in the fatal accident. And unfortunately, it tends to be smaller sites, which these uh, feature, feature largely also. That's interesting, though. The, so that would tend to maybe... That might lead us to believe that there's a complacency when the height is not so great that maybe all the steps don't need to be followed and all the rules don't need to be followed. Um, I, I was listening to a report on another station earlier today that indicated that uh, fatal accidents, that the numbers are up this year on last year already. Now, obviously, that's something that will be of concern. And yeah. is that something that's maybe... It's disappointing that uh, where where we've been. I'm just looking at the figures here. We the fatal accident rate has been decreasing since 2015. It tends to be cyclical. Um, at one point, back as far as 2008, there were 15 fatalities in the sector. Last year, we had five fatalities in the sector. Right. Obviously, the target is zero, and everybody's working towards that. Unfortunately, to date, we have seven fatalities. And all the more reason why we need Construction Safety Week to highlight the fact that... Is that because possibly there's more construction going on in the city at the moment? Or in the country? It could be, but I, I have a feeling that... Um, and there's an underlying issue with smaller sites that uh, it's smaller sites, smaller contracts that an awful lot of these fatalities appear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an issue that we and need to try and address. And would they be as focused as the uh, larger sites are on health and safety? It appears not. Um, that, and as Carol said, I think maybe complacency comes into this a lot. Hence, they tend to be smaller, uh, low-level falls mm. that cause 
fatal accidents. But then again, I mean, with these problems on sites that we're talking about uh, this evening, um, knock-on consequence of that, obviously, is higher insurance premiums, is it not? If that... If that if it continues to increase, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's insurance has always been an issue, and uh, a key part of any company's uh, armory to address yeah. uh, higher insurance premiums is, is is to be able to demonstrate that they have a good health and safety management system in place. And indeed, as part of the initiative of the Construction Safety Partnership a number of years ago. Uh, a specific scheme has been developed called Safety Cert, which is an accreditation scheme specifically for small to medium-sized enterprises. And, and it, it's like a badge of quality for companies can demonstrate that they have um, a good safety management system in place and that they're committed to continual improvement. Yeah, and I presume that's something that's increasingly important now, given um, to showcase yourself as a good employer, because there's such a skills shortage at the moment that surely... Um, people coming in, workers coming in, will want to go for the more quality employers. You know, and I don't think there's a correlation between big is good and small is bad. In fact, I think sometimes it can it can be the opposite, but I don't believe there's any correlation there. I think it's about um, a quality that's, that's a, a, a top-down approach to mm. safety and the importance of it. But surely, you know, I suppose to bring it back to even commercial terms, to get your key hires, to get the people you need, you want to be showcasing yourself as as delivering best practice in the industry? I think so. And I think workers are more aware. Do you think health and safety will change when the focus on modular building and uh, with more a greater focus on offsite construction? Like we know that the health and safety figures um, for um, accidents in relation to offsite would be significantly lower. Um, by by all available, I don't know if we have any stats in Ireland, but by available stats in the UK, um, they're, they're considerably lower. Like You'd expect that, that would be the case because it's a, a much more controlled environment to manufacture within a, within a, um, an industrial unit rather than out on site that you're exposed to but then all sorts of weather. Yeah, but even for installation then you've got, so f- um, you've got far fewer people. You do, but it brings site. different hazards than you're now lifting heavier, um, heavier units. But all of that can be managed. So you would think that technology and the change in the way in which construction is carried out will have an impact on um, health and safety. Okay, Mm. and for Thursday and Friday, I I know um, Thursday is vehicle risk and safety and lifting operations. And then Friday is working safely with hazardous substances. Now, that's something that, you know, we're reading a lot about in terms of uh, residual health problems. Construction workers, you know, who might have... Um, is it particle dust? Yeah, well, you're, I think you're talking about RCS, yes. respirable crystalline silica, which is dust created from, say, cutting concrete and cutting stone. Yeah, now there um, seems to be a greater awareness about that over the last number of years. So I understand that there's issues dealing with residual problems and, and maybe from days where there wasn't that awareness. But now, is that something that that workers are more aware of and protected against? Well, I know Well, employers and workers are more aware of the dangers uh, of dust exposure, particularly respirable crystalline silica, which is silica, which is in the air that you can breathe in into your lungs. It is controllable and it's controllable in, in by, um, by wetting 
the area or people wear, uh, wearing people wearing the proper PPE, but PPE is the, the last line of defence. But it is an area that people are much more aware of. Um, the issue generally is that the individual who's cutting the stone is protected, but those who may be working around them are not protected. So hence the reason for ensuring that the whatever action is taken is taken at source and that you're not depending on somebody wearing a mask because then everybody has to wear a mask. Mm. Okay. okay. We'll leave it there for today. Uh, that was Dermot Carey, Director of Safety, Training and Skills at the Construction Industry Federation. Towards after the break, we'll talk to Fiacra Morrison, Clinical Hypertherapist hyper at uh, Dublin Hypnosis and Therapy Centre. Stay tuned. Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM. Oh, will you look at them go? I wish I had their energy. Ah, uh, They're good for the soul though aren't they I can't imagine life without Lucky <laughs> but he might outlive me yet <laughs> oh well take my advice and sign up for a Dogs Trust Canine Care card it's completely free and it's given me such peace of mind since I did what's that well it's simple really it means if you pass away before Lucky Dogs Trust will take him in and give him the care and love he needs until they match him with the perfect forever home that sounds terrific how much did you say it costs? It doesn't cost a cent. Great. How do I sign up? Just text CARE to 50100 and they'll call you with more information. Or you can go to dogstrust.ie. Well, that's wonderful advice. I'll do that right away. Here, Lucky. Good boy. Whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply, Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Senior Line is a confidential telephone service for older people. Free phone 1-800-80-45-91. We're open every day of the year from 10am to 10pm, including Christmas Day and New Year. So it's free phone 1-800-80-45-91. We're there if you need someone to talk to and need someone to listen. We're older people too, so we will understand and we're very good at listening. Did you get the senior line number? It's free phone 1-800-80-45-91. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. And welcome back here to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Carol Tallon myself, Brian Fox. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So as mentioned before the break, we're now joined by Fiacre Morrison. He's clinical hypno- hypnotherapist at Dublin Hypnosis and uh, Therapy Centre. Fiacre, good to see you again. Good to be back. Thank you for having me. So uh, well, let's begin by asking what it means to be emotional beings. Well... In our emotional being, um, what the, what basically what that means is that we, we do a lot of obviously thinking and planning along, but originally we were emotional beings. We were there, that was our, our primary, our instinctive um, base. And as in emotional beings, it's, it's, our, it was, it's our way of actually communicating with each other and with the world around us. And our, our emotions are what gauges, give, gives us a kind of a gauge to how we're fitting in with other people, with the environment, with, with everything. And it's, it's really an important part to, to recognise that, that the emotional part of us and our, the cognitive part are very, very different. 
that they're very different in that th it's like they're two separate because in our in our cognitive where the cognitive mind is very linear it's very logical as 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 you know and it's the part that that, that makes the decisions that makes the plans that 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 does all the the thinking part mm. but and it's in that logical fashion um it's that's that's where it that's its realm but at the the emotional part of us is it doesn't have that same logic it doesn't have that same linearness because it's it takes everything as if it's in the in the present and all of our experiences everything that we know everything that we've we've done is is still running as if it's in the present which is why you know a lot of our our experiences can be just brought back to mind um, very quickly because it's it's a, it's all running in, in a whole different in a whole different realm in a whole different way and as with with both that conscious and the emotional part just running together that we have you know the best of of both worlds but we also forget sometimes that we do have that emotional that we that we have learned in a way to to override our emotional reactions mm -hmm. because the emotional part is there to to protect us to keep us safe to keep you within a you know kind of your own boundaries without within your own values and principles mm -hmm. okay and as it's doing that what it's again one of its its roles is to identify when either we're uncomfortable we're in danger or that we're doing something that may mm -hmm. may be harmful okay and because we can override that we can ignore it that we can ignore the those messages that, that we're being given mm -hmm. and over all these these this hundreds and thousands of years we've we've learned how to just override that and then go along with our own um, with, with their own logical part mm -hmm. um, can I just add, can I just I, you're going to kill me here and ask me this question okay <laughs> I know you are because, I think uh, it's important to tell people that you're looking at me and at not Carol, <laughs> Carol yeah, yeah, yeah well it's going to be quite obvious that I'm looking at Carol when I ask the question because there's a great deal of thought we say and I'm not trying to be sexist that uh, women and men are, are very different emotional beings would you how would you go along with that now you don't have to get, you don't have to I don't care if you know that, but I mean, would you go along with that sort of theory? Are are, are we all the same emotionally? Well, I think, yes, men and women obviously are very different in their, their own physical makeup and the chemical makeup and everything that goes on. But then, on the other hand, all men are very different to each other. All women are very different to each other. And in our in our in that cognitive way, we try to put everything into a box. We try to make sense and we try to kind of, uh, you know, have oh, men over there, women over there and then mm -hmm. subsection everybody else so that we get them down to the finest that we can. Mm -hmm. But it's in in that it's it's unfair to class everybody as being the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's also unfair to class everybody as being very different. Mm -hmm. OK, that what we do have in common is our differences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I think what no. Brian is getting to and actually, you know, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I do think that it is more difficult to be um, a man when it comes to mental health and speaking about the emotional side you of things as opposed. And I know that's a generalisation. Uh, no, sorry, it's, it's more woman. difficult. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah, difficult yeah. for a man. Sorry. And, yeah. and that it's easier for women. But also, I think that. Well, that's society, um, that's women culture, seem to have better support networks mm. built up. Mm. And this mm. is something that I've really experienced um, quite recently, actually, with, you know, somebody reaching out to me for help. And, um, you know, it's something that I'm very aware of that, you know, 
women tend to have better support mm. structures set up mm-hmm. or, or in place for themselves and I, there are many reasons for that but that seems to be the case and that's why I think for your, you must as a clinical hypnotherapist and you know somebody who is involved in promoting positive mental health it must be very heartening for you to see um, the Construction Industry Federation take such a strong stance because at the end of the day the construction industry is still uh, predominantly made up of, of men and we know that during the the crash and during the difficult year, years here in Ireland we know that up to eight men per week were taking their, their own lives and that's at the extreme end of mm-hmm. you know when we're talking about um, people in need of uh, needing to reach out and, and and talk about mental health but it must be very heartening to to have all of these construction sites shut down even if it's only once a year they shut down uh, for two hours to sit down and and listen to a talk and, and join in and share their feelings talk about things you're not, that, that. Yeah, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that. No, but that, 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 that does that. happen. That happened yesterday. Okay. The, no, that happened. Sorry, don't mean to cut a cry. It's your question. I'm sorry. No, that actually I'm, that actually happened yesterday. Um, sites all all across Ireland shut down and and for up to two hours while people attended talks um, aimed at promoting mm-hmm. positive mental health. So that happened. That happened yesterday, and this is not the first year. You know, as Dermot was saying, this is something that's been that has been introduced o- mm-hmm. over past years. So we, so essentially, what it's doing is that it's giving people permission to bring their whole selves on site. Mm-hmm. You know, it's breaking down because you know sometimes the term holistic gets thrown around, and I think people forget what it actually means. And it's just about the whole person, and we're all whole people. So what you are in your day job, you are, you know, you're still a being when you go home to your family, you're still a being when you're socialising, you know, it's all of these parts make up who we are. And that's the holistic side of things. So actually, I think it's really important to have not just the worker recognised, but the holistic person recognised on site. I think it's important, not just on a construction site. I think it's important if you work in Tesco's or, you know, if you're CEO of company. Mm. Yeah, I I, Mm -hmm. I think it's the same, that recognition that you that you are a whole person and as a whole person, you are important. Well, unfortunately, um, closing somewhere for two hours, while the acknowledgement has to be there, it is a great step um, that but as as we have had over the over the last many years um, on the onset of the health and safety and the health and safety awareness and the awareness of the, the dangers, um, it has reduced, you know, deaths on site and dismemberments on site like mm. I mean so and what it did was at the start it, it met huge resistance and it met everything that was you know kind of, it, it took that culture mm-hmm. yeah. from being totally free to kind of now having to take responsibility and it was a mindset change and that's what we need for mental health that it's not enough just to kind of be, yeah, you know, but to that, talk. That's got to be do. very slow, though. Yeah, it is uh, a very slow know. process, but just like with the health and safety mm. um, onset, yeah. mm. it did because take the time. But sorry. people wanted because because yeah. of the benefits. Mm. But mm. now, a, a, a mindset change to where people are. I will. I w- culture change. No, culture mm. change is important. And Dermot Carey just said it both it earlier. You. I will actually put it to both of you that in any workplace, you will always find the woman far more reluctant to be herself surrounded by if there are if there are any men there because 
because of the cultural attitude to the workplace being one where... I uh, think that depends on the workplace, Brian. Uh, well, I, I, I can only say that after <clears throat> 15, 16 years of being self-employed, I recently had to share that we've only had two or three men employed over the 16 years. And one of them... I, I actually relate the story quite recently. One of them, we actually found it very difficult in terms of the culture change there to to uh, work with men in the office because we didn't realise that men sometimes have to clean out their belly buttons in the workplace. These are things that in a female workplace, just these things don't happen. So I would say that actually for a man working in a female dominated workplace, no, there might be a no, cultural no, no. change uh, needed mm. as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. I, I don't I just don't think that's true of every workplace. And, you know, I, I think that times have moved on as well. I think, you know, everybody's a lot more aware and maybe construction has a little bit further to come because the gender balance isn't there. And quite frankly, the gender balance doesn't look like well, it's, it's going to get there. It's not just gender balance, it's attitude to the whole thing as well. Well, it's, 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 it's interesting that when we do have, let's say, those stereotypical mm. ideas of men and women, and, mm. and their roles and what mm. they should or shouldn't do. Mm. And it, it's still there. Yeah. yeah. As as, as well, much I, I, PC as we're trying to be, it's still very much deeply I, But rooted. I hear so much dysfunction, work dysfunction mm. within organisations and HRs for the for the most part. I mean, yeah, yeah, OK, it's it's somewhat improving now, but the the, um, the movement that the uh, was in the United States there some time ago after the um, that movie director. Me Too I mean, movement. Uh, Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was so many reports there of um, women being harassed and so forth in, in the workplace by uh, by the CEOs, etc. You know, so my point being that it's a very slow, gradual um, um, improvement, shall we say, in that type in, in recognizing the different emotional beings that are in a workplace. Mm. If you, if you, but if hold on, I, I, I'm sorry, I, ha- mm-hmm. I have to, I have to drill down. Where, where is your thinking and bringing that into it in terms of the Me Too movement? Like, um, because I have heard some talk about how men don't know how to behave in the workplace on part of the Me Too movement. That's utter nonsense. Anybody with a shred of decency knows how to behave themselves, knows how to keep their, their hands and their words and, and inappropriate behaviour to themselves. So I completely reject this notion that men are helpless and don't know how to behave oh, in the no, workplace on foot of oh, Me Too I'm movement. Not, I'm not excusing them. Oh God, no, I'm not yeah. excusing them for one moment. It's deliberate. Of course it is, oh, it's yeah. deliberate, absolutely. But that's my, this is my point. My point being that um, there is still a sense of nervousness uh, in the workplace in relation to this sort of issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have, like, I mean, where, where, where you mentioned about having men and women in, in, in a workplace um, and that divide. But even on, as you said, Carol, on, in the building industry where there is, it is male dominated. Yeah. That even in that, that maleness, that there is that divide, that some are macho, some are less macho. Yeah. You know, some are more sensitive than others. And it's, it's even now, it's still a stigma you know, to be emotional, to be able to talk about your feelings for, for a lot of people. Is that changing, Fiacre? It's because changing. It is know, changing we because... Need, we need for people to be able to talk about um, how they're feeling on site. And I know last year for Construction Safety Week, I remember attending a talk and one of the things was that um, one of the problems with how building sites work is that you've people coming and going they might not always be on site at the same time so um, what it means is that like if you were working alongside somebody in a cubicle every day you would recognise if maybe they were in difficulty 
Um, whereas on a building site, it's not so easy because there's more coming and going and doing and throwing. So it just means that um, the relationships built up are slightly different, that you're not watching people every day and therefore things that might be warning signs aren't as obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as well, like, I mean, because people aren't, as it as this is a kind of a, like a new movement, mm. okay, mm. we're not, even Definitely. in schools, mm. you know, in the, Mm. even in secondary schools mm. if they had a module where they were able mm. to Absolutely. understand mm. well these are the warning signs these are the things to look out mm. for Completely. so that as yeah. they grow but that's again just again changing the culture at that level mm. changing their the mindset so that when with when it goes a, into perhaps a counsellor on, on yeah, site as well or having somebody yeah. who mm. is trained but then mm. is Can there any site that is going to be able to, 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 to maintain that Can we take this into specifics here and say like um, uncontrolled, like we start off by talking about emotion. So uncontrolled expressions of emotion, mm-hmm. anger, rage, resentment and panic. Yeah. You know, these are all things that can be triggered yeah. on a building site, the same way they can in any workplace. But maybe on a building site, the consequences are far more serious. Yeah. So, you know, how can how can these kind of um uncontrolled expressions of emotion how how can they be reduced say on site or in any workplace well it, the the realization that it's not just one emotion that that's actually being um you know expressed it's a build up even if it just it's looks always, like anger yeah because it's you it, it always is another like like the the, the last straw it's just that that way that that, that moment of the expression but it's always a build up of many different emotions, many different feelings, many different things that have gone wrong or whatever. And it's just kind of just that last moment of of that explosion. And when when the, the emotions are are high, the thinking stops, the conscious mind just knocks off. Mm. And mm. It, it's because the emotions don't take any thinking mm. power. They're just a reaction. And when the emotions are at that level, then all the safety kind of can go out the window yeah. as may as many people have seen either by you go out of control either a physical a physical yeah. kind of um mm, mm, reaction mm, mm, or throwing something mm, or or withdrawing whatever, from or withdrawing and mm. it's and it's because their awareness of what's safe around them mm, mm. is now very different but then say for site managers how do you how can site managers maybe watch for instances of this and reduce instances because I mean I, I think the key one say if we're bringing it back to building site the key one will be frustrations mm-hmm. you know things not going according to plan people not uh, being in the place at the time with what's needed um, you know and again I, I completely accept what you're saying it's never about what it's about you know mm-hmm. so it's always um, the thing that triggers a flare up but it, it's never it's never that, never that, that yeah. it's never that it's final thing that, yeah. but how can site managers really watch and reduce instances of this? Well, the the responsibilities of, of site managers is to keep the place safe. And that goes for all of these. And they, again, will have to be, it would be best for them to be trained so that they can understand those or have somebody else, maybe not the, the direct manager, but someone else who can, but have the power to be able to intervene yeah. and to interrupt a process, interrupt that, 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 that flow of, things going wrong so it doesn't actually come to the that final 
blow. You know, I, th- I think a lot of this comes back to, you know, the difference between management and leadership. You know, l- leaders really have to be able to express this emotional intelligence. And maybe it's something that we need to get through a kind of management level as well. Um, Fikra, before we let you go, um, you might just, for anybody who maybe is feeling the need for some help, you might just remind us where the the therapy centre is located. OK, our, our web website is um, hypnosisandtherapy.ie. Um, we have two centres there. They're all on that. Um, or you can find us on Facebook. You're um, in Dublin too, We're in it? Dublin too. We're just off Marion Square and Fitzwilliam Street. And we have a centre in Fairhouse. And oh, you're in Fairhouse as well. We've we've, we've opened up there now. So um, yep. So it's uh, so, and, and I can be contacted directly. Um, we we do a free phone consultation for anyone who has any issues, so that we can again give them that sense of kind of well, there is somebody here. There is a there okay. is hope there. Okay, thank you so much. That was Fia Kramarsen, clinical hypnotherapist um, at Dublin Hypnosis and Therapy Centre. That's it for part two. Please stay tuned after the break as we'll be speaking to Vinnie Doyle of um, Townmore Construction. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. Could you and your dog spend one hour per week bringing special moments to people in care centres? Or would you like one of our volunteer visiting teams to come and visit your care centre? At Irish Therapy Dogs, we have a dedicated interest in the use of pet therapy for people in long-term or daily residential care. A professional organisation aimed at providing a pet therapy service on a national basis. If you with your dog would like to get involved, or if you would like one of our visiting teams to visit your care centre, then please call us on 01544-6198 or visit irishtherapydogs.ie for more information. Do you need a professional looking website or graphics for your company? Does your current website work on all modern devices such as tablets and smartphones? If not, you are losing business. Preamp Digital Media provides a full range of solutions to give your company the edge in today's digital world. Please visit www.preampdigitalmedia.com for all the information you need. That's www.preampdigitalmedia.com I've always provided. That's what I do. Even when the job shut down, I somehow managed. But the pressure chips away at your confidence. I felt alone. I needed to talk things out. I learned Samaritans isn't just for when you hit rock bottom. I'm glad I called. It's always worth getting problems big and not so big off your chest. Call Samaritans. No pressure, no judgment. We're here for you. Anytime, talk to us. Free call 116123 or go to samaritans.ie. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. And you're very welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Carol Tallon and myself, Brian Fox. So in the studio now we have Vincent Doyle. Uh, he's Health, Safety and Environment Quality Manager at Ton- uh, Townmore Construction. So uh, let's just begin by asking you, uh, Vincent, about uh, needing better PPQ. Oh, yes. Basically, my background was originally in site management. I uh, did 16 years in site management before I went into health and safety. I always had an interest in health and safety. But the big thing that always concerned me was when you're given a poor contractor and you've got to turn them around, you spend a lot of time managing them. So 
what I'm quite heavy on is when you're selecting contractors, do you select the right type of contract? These are sort of subcontractors. Subcontractors, really. You're the contractor. Yeah. 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 Uh, so he's, he's basically making sure you've got everything in place and you, you've got visual checks. Uh, for example, he's basically sending a form out. They will fill a form in. But anyone can fill a form in and it's the evidence behind it. And you can tell straight away what the contract is going to be like just from the information they provide. So particularly for subcontractors, when they are filling in pre-qualification questionnaires, they just need to put a bit of thought into what they're doing Very because good. it's it's kind of a picture or a window mm. of an opportunity for them as well. If they if they filled it in properly and they provide an evidence, they, they're likely to get more work, to be honest, as well. So you, sorry, just before, you, you are kind yeah. of... Um, fairly uh, strong on, 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 on uh, safety on, on the site, obviously, then? Yeah, I mean, I've worked for quite large companies. The, the biggest company I ever worked for was, um, I don't know whether I can mention them. It's Maybe big, best not to. No, no, I was just thinking <laughs> that. It's probably, it was a big global um, okay. construction company. I worked mm-hmm. on a massive shopping centre over in the UK, which was quite a challenge. I mean, there was it was 600 million. Uh, and there was three and a half thousand people on site at, at its peak, and I was the only safety manager on site. So you for had how many people on site? Three thousand five hundred. And there's only one health and safety manager. Yeah, yeah, you have to juggle around how you do that, though. You have to start being clever quite quickly, because there was no way you could manage that on your own. So what yeah. we ended up having to do was we brought regular meetings in for the subcontractors, so we'd insist on their safety officers and safety managers coming on site. So instead of one, then you'd have probably about twenty safety officers on site as well um, but the big thing is coordination and planning of, of, of jobs there as well mm. um, we were quite out we used to have this was over in the UK and we used to have the health and safety executive uh, principal inspector from Manchester he used to come in once a month onto onto the site so he'd go through with a fine tooth comb. we spend most of the day there actually going through everything yeah and you you probably heard there earlier in the show with Dermot Carey and from the CIF yeah, talking yeah. about construction safety week and the importance of it um, but I would imagine given your experience you've probably seen some pretty unsafe conditions as well on site yeah I mean <laughs> The big thing is how you set your store up. I mean, as I say, one of the big things is selecting the right contractors. So they've got the right attitude to arriving on site as well. Um, you know, they'll have all the documentation, the training record and stuff like that. The big thing I find is is um, monitoring the contractors as well, but getting everyone involved in, in monitoring as well. And I think as much as you can help the contractors, don't beat them up. You know, um, at Townmore, we're starting to do uh, free training for contractors as well. So things like... I feel, often feel sorry for contractors. For We expect method statements and everything to be up to standard, but then you've got to look who actually trains them to do them. And you can only get out what you actually put in. So what we're looking at doing is bringing the contractors in, doing a free training session on how to develop risk assessments and method statements as well. So that's fantastic. So um, Townmore, I understand, is a growing company because yeah. I know you've recently opened another office in Cork. Yes, right, yeah. So... What are the numbers employed there? I'm, to be honest, I'm not 100% certain because I'm no. kind of new, newish there myself. They're, they're rapidly expanding uh, quite quickly and they're bringing it in quite a dynamic team. So they're, they're very much up for uh, simplifying systems and things like that. Yeah, but it just makes absolute sense for, uh, you know, providing training, health and safety training for the subcontractors mm. because then you can trust the teams coming on board. I think where I've always come from is developing relationships between contractors and the main contractor because 
for different reasons as well, we want to have the trust in our contractors that they're doing a good job because at the end of the day, we're pre-qualifying for work as well with clients. So we need to get into the position where we're a preferred contractor. The only way we're going to do that is work and develop with contractors. So we've got a good pool, what we're working with, and there's a trust between ourselves and the contractors as well. I yeah. mean, for example, what we're trying to do, we, we went through safety training ourselves last week to do face fit testing. It's a, legal, it's, it's a requirement with the using safe... Um, RPE, which is respiratory protection. Now, we're offering that free of charge to the contractors for people who are using it. So we're trying to get ahead of everyone else and trying to, to help them out. Mm-hmm. You, you know, rather than take the old attitude of beat them into submission, we want to work with them and partner with them. So partnering would be a massive thing for us. But you're also taking away maybe some of the hurdles, like, for example, having to invest in the safety training themselves or maybe some of the equipment. Yeah, absolutely. But okay. I think there's, a, there's um, a good feedback from that as well, because what you don't start building, you start building good relationships with contractors as well so they're going to be more compliant um, and then working with them and it's like when we do inspections on site I would walk around with them and if I pull someone up on something I'll explain the reason I think part of the problem historically with um, probably my own profession in reality is we tend to be too aggressive with contractors and not speak to them in the right way where if you actually speak to them properly mm. and explain to them what the problem is then, and why then, it's a problem? Why it's a problem, yeah, because then they start thinking differently as well. And they're more likely to come on board as well. And we're developing um, uh, procedures as well. So we're going to start uh, working with contractors. So we're going to start rewarding them. So if we see that they're working well, then we'll start offering them things on site as well. But they'll also, we're actually going in a, a, on a monthly monitoring performance rating as well. And rather than use it in a negative way, we're going to use it to see where the weaknesses are and help them develop so they can come on board with us. So it's a very proactive approach we're taking. That's great to take such an empirical approach as well, because actually we had um, Smart PMO. It's a a project management um, set of, and it's an analytics tool that sits on top of project Mm. management software. And essentially what it does is it pulls out the information, Mm. bits of information, exactly like you're saying there, that so it actually, um, it means that contractors and of course, contractors particularly when they're coming to to bidding stage as well and tendering stage they can actually show that rather than just telling the um mm. in the bid how much better they are they can actually show by actually showing the stats on their contractors mm. how how regularly they work with those contractors um you know the the reduced number of instances which means reduced number of delays on site mm. and the impact is a much cleaner delivery program Absolutely. So, so um, data is something that for the construction industry, you know, maybe the construction industry hasn't used data very well mm. in the past, but it sounds like you're shaping up to really try actually use this in an actionable way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've used this system f- probably for about 10 years and it's kind of developed and I've used it in different kinds of environment, uh, manufacturing, um, banking system. And I tend to use the same kind of profile and he's i think you've always got to be in mind that it's got to be used as a proactive way you don't use it as a tool to beat anyone up yeah and once you once you start what i tend to do is put all the scores in a spreadsheet and it identifies straight away where your weak areas are and then what we do is close them out so we work with the contractors we work the site management teams yeah to, to identify what the problems are, work with the, the, the management team and the contractors and develop uh, resources to actually help them along. 
Yeah, I I know, you know, in our earlier discussions, you had said how um, health, safety, environmental and quality systems, you know, how they should always suit the end user. Absolutely. Um, You know, so yes, of course, be relevant, but not be overly complicated. And I think maybe that's something that happened in the past. Yeah. So how do you avoid that? The big thing what I've I've done, and to be honest, it's a lot to do with experience. With my situation, because I'm from a site management background, I look at what the challenges are during the day. Health and safety, whether we like it or not, health and safety isn't their first primary um, uh, thing in in, in the mind, but we kind of need to develop that. So to me, health, safety, environmental and quality production should be all in in line with each other. So it's not an add-on or a nice-to-have? No, it's got to be part of the business model, really. Has that that been lacking, that, uh, that, that sense of thinking? It, it, it does tend to be, yeah, but you, you have to promote that. I mean, I'm very yeah. much on uh, a can-do attitude, you know, and promoting uh, safe practice and stuff like that. But again, you've got, you've got to build build people up with that. Mm. And again, that's the benefit of training people up as well. So mm. they understand, you know, if they're working at height, what should be in place. Yeah. And again, it's, it's the attitude, but it's very much push the can-do attitude uh, along the And once, once I've, I mean, I've worked for... Again, I'm not mentioning companies, but over in the in the UK, particularly, I worked for. Um, I did a lot of contract work, and there's one particular company there. It was a manufacturing company, but they did uh, stuff for the construction industry. And in that particular, the, the first day I, I went, went in there, they hadn't had anyone for 35 years, and they turned around to me and said, "You're never going to change anything. We're you, you know we're we're not going to change 35 years." Now, out of 100 guys working there, 75% of them had a th- at least one digit missing. And that, but they wore that with pride, and I, I, I couldn't believe that one. What yeah. do you mean, as in the company or no, the, the individuals? They, okay. they, and I thought, like war wounds. Yeah, and he's think you, you know, I've lost, lost half a finger, and it was kind of a bit of banter. Yeah. But and and the the guy who uh, one guy came up to me and says, "You're wasting your time, mate. You know, forget it." So that was to me homing in. That was a challenge to me straight on away. On that point, then on that mm. point, I mean, you have these sheets here that you sent us as well um, that you formulate very various points. Um, was it difficult to implement these ideas when you when you when you came over here with that with the town more? No, to be honest, I found it, part of the problem you always get with, with is getting expenditure. And the, the thing is, I've always found uh, sometimes you get managing directors who don't buy into safety; they say they do. What I found with Talmore, everything I've done brought in, they've, they've gone straight for it. So he's, they're very. But in no pro- terms of the subcontractors, though, this is really the, the subcontractors. Uh, Subcontractors are always difficult initially, but what you, again, what you have to do is work with them and develop the skills with them. So there is a resistance to, uh, to safety measures initially, but you can break that down very quickly. Is mm. again, it's the perception of the sites as well. If yeah. you're providing them good, clean working conditions, they'll react to that. Yeah. If you give them bad working conditions, bad yeah. welfare, they react yeah. to that as well. Yeah. So the more the more you're seen to be uh, working towards them and, and producing a good site, yeah. then they'll react to that. And th- what you generally find as well is the attitudes will be bad as well. But you yeah. can change them. You that's, know. The, that's the culture side that, the culture really, side, that really needs to be changed. Yeah. Okay, well, You know, I, I, I liked your approach initially. Um, just don't give problems, give solutions. And I think, absolutely. I, I think that's the most important thing. So, look, 
Vincent, thank you so much for being with us. That was Vincent Doyle, uh, Health, Safety, Environment and Quality Manager with Townmore Construction. Uh, before we go, just a quick reminder about the two events in the RDS Members Club this Thursday. All details can be found on prop-tech.ie and propertydistrict.ie. Also, you can get in touch with the show by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or Twitter at iPropertyRadio. And that's it from us on today in the studio. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us here today. Also, thanks to Danny Hickey. We're back at the same time next week from Carl Tallon, myself, Brian Fox. Have a great week. 